You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Poulos, and today we have another episode with Army West Point Lacrosse as Gunnar Miller, one of my really good friends and class of 2017, joins me for a great conversation. Gunnar has a great take on leadership and actually spent most of his junior season recovering from an injury, so that just shows what kind of leader he is to be recognized by his teammates and chosen to be a captain the following year, despite not being on the field for the vast majority of the previous season. Today, we discuss a lot about personal accountability and how it relates to leadership, how effective a light touch from a coach can be with captains, the importance of trust when it comes to coaches empowering captains and captains leveraging other leaders on the team, and a bunch more. I hope you all enjoy, and without further ado, here is Gunnar Miller. Gunnar, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Glad, uh, Glad we could finally get you on here. Yeah, I know. Thanks for having me party. I know it's been tough to get me on here I've been busy but um, not really sure why you guys want me on but I'm happy to be here <laughs> uh, because contrary to popular belief I'm not a leadership expert by any means was uh, barely a mediocre college cross player but Gunner, for you the, those of you who don't know was was a captain for the army lacrosse team he's a 2017 guy I was a 2016 guy so a lot of wisdom coming from from his end of the from his from his end of experience in Division One sports, so always lucky to have any Army lacrosse guys on, but always having a, a captain and, and one of my good friends uh, for sure is always makes a great guest. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And and for some of those who may not have listened to my interviews with with Coach A or or Shay Mullins, what do you think some of the best things that we did at army to systematically build leaders and and kind of develop leadership on our team well i mean it starts with how much interaction uh the younger guys get so like the freshman sophomore um with like the older guys because of sort of the culture we have there and maybe the lack of um lack of time we get to hang out with each other outside of the locker room uh, in terms of maybe having like a lax house or something or like you know living off campus it's sort of the locker room is the place where everyone gets the development because we just hang out there so much and uh you know it's the seniors talking to the freshmen and sort of giving them an understanding of what we expect uh the culture to be and how you should bring it every single day and then it's holding each other accountable day in and day out so you know, you have a rough go on a test or something like that, you uh, come up to practice and it might still be bothering you, but just sort of telling the guys, hey, nobody cares. Uh, you know, and coach used to say that all the time, but nobody really cares about what you just went through down there because we're all sort of going through it. So uh, put that aside and you better bring your best out to the practice field, whether it's a fall ball skill session or it's a lift or a speed and conditioning 
you better not be dogging it. And I think that sort of makes guys understand the culture. So when they come up and they're leaders on the team and they're the juniors and seniors, they look down at these freshmen, sophomores, and go, hey, I brought it when I was that young because so-and-so held me accountable. So I'm not going to just dog it and let these guys dog because I know what this team and what these guys expect out of me. Yeah, that, that accountability was such a huge aspect uh, for, for me as well when I look back at, at my time there. The, the ability for freshmen and sophomores to kind of play a role inside the locker room. You know, we have a couple little small traditions that we can talk about or we could not talk about on, on the show, but freshmen. Yeah, we should probably refrain, refrain yeah. from talking about them. Um, but the, uh, the freshmen definitely get a role and they get a taste from day one coming to the locker room um, uh, of kind of what is expected. And it's not even something that coach a or, or coach G or anybody else has to kind of lay out there. It's, it's one, definitely just an example. You can kind of look around and everyone's kind of doing the same thing and doing it a hundred percent. And then you do hear it verbally, you know, seniors aren't afraid to get on you. Juniors aren't afraid to get on you. Sophomores aren't afraid to get on the juniors and seniors. So as a freshman, you feel really comfortable being held accountable and knowing it's not a personal thing because everyone's doing it to each other and you have no problem bringing it a hundred percent. Sometimes on teams, I think freshmen that that might be a little more timid on a personality level might be afraid to outshine or, or kind of put down or kind of step up in front of upperclassmen because of some fear of uh, reprisal or, you know, making them look bad. But at West Point, definitely on the lacrosse team, there was definitely a mentality of like nobody's going to outdo me. So if somebody does that, like it, it doesn't get taken personally, um, but on an individual level, like everyone just needs to to step it up one more notch. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Didn't matter what drill, even if it was uh, can't remember the drill name, but when we'd go back to back and put the ball between our legs, and we'd have to uh, box each other out, like. I know if a guy spun on me hard or something and got the ground ball easy, you know, I'd be pissed sort of the rest of practice thinking about that time. So, you know, anytime we'd be in the next drill and he'd be going for a ground ball or something, I'd make sure that I came up with it rather than him. Yeah, for sure. And I, and you, I know you touched on kind of that team cohesion piece and it definitely was a little more inherent just to our situation being that, you know, we really didn't see the guys that much during the day, you know, you might see a guy or two during class. If you had classes with him at lunch, you know, we kind of saw each other, but that's pretty quick and you're kind of focused on eating. So we definitely cherish that time in the locker room. What kind of things specifically, other than just that inherent situation, do you think really um, kind of contributed to how close we were as a team? Um, I mean, I definitely say, you know, like as seniors and juniors, you can take more time and like get off uh, post and stuff like that and go out and, you know, take passes and you could take off, you know, most weekends if you wanted to, as long as there wasn't like a football game or something. But I think it was, you know, a junior or senior taking that weekend, you know, he stays in, maybe he's working on a paper or something throughout the weekend. But on Friday or Saturday, I just headed up to the locker room and just hanging out with the young guys that are up there, maybe ordering a pizza with them and just chilling out with them. So they know that like, you know, you sort of understand what they're going through because it definitely is a little bit of a different mental battle. But sort of, you know, like, hey, hey, boys, like I know it's it's rough right now in terms of like schooling and all the classes, but 
you know, we've all gotten through it. And uh, I promise, like, I know, you know, especially if I made it through, that they definitely can make it through. So uh, just taking that time to hang out with them and sort of understand what they're feeling and being able to relate to them and let them know that it's not that bad. And, you know, the guys up in the locker room uh, will be there for you. Yeah, for sure. And and that's definitely been a theme throughout my conversations has been upperclassmen going out of their way to include underclassmen and kind of make sure that everybody on the team feels like they're cared about on an individual level and also kind of on the group level and, and definitely for our team. And especially as, as we were, our two classes were, were pretty close and, and the two class or the one class above me definitely did a good job of, of making sure the younger guys were cared for and that they had something to do and they weren't kind of just left to be bored up at, up at Truxton by themselves in the locker room. So I think that definitely was, mm-hmm. was a big piece of it for sure. No, absolutely. And then, you know, if you have an off hour or something or uh, figure what the hour was right after lunch when you had sometimes had an hour off, just having that guy come over uh, to your room and just sort of chill out, maybe play some NHL or something. So uh, he could see sort of, you know, it gets a little more comfortable as you're there. And then, you know, he'll, and once you do that, they know that they'll do the same thing for the younger guys. So it's just, you know, building it from the bottom there. Yeah, and the more, and I've always felt, the more you make guys comfortable off the field in just conversation and hanging out and, and, you know, kind of being part of the team and being a friend and being part of the brotherhood, the more comfortable they are on the field to either take a chance and know they're not going to get yelled at or, you know, give a guy a pointer even if they're a younger guy or kind of, you know, contribute in one way or another and feel that kind of support to back them up because they know, hey, this guy's got my back off the field and he's going to have my back on the field. Yeah, and then, if you know, if he's, you know, having a rough day of practice, you sort of get on him a little bit. He knows it's not personal, so that way it goes back to that accountability thing, you know. I might be super cool with him, help him out all the time, but, you know, if I get on him, it's not personal. I'm just trying to make sure we're getting everything out of the practice or the game or the skill session or whatever, you know. Yeah, exactly, and, and, and a lot of this mentality definitely comes from, from Coach A, the, the family and, and brotherhood and the tradition, what do you really love about Coach A when it comes to developing leaders on the team? And, and was there anything specifically that he did to mentor or develop you as a captain? Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, you know, he'd bring us in. We, you know, we'd, once you're a senior and uh, a captain, it's not that you're ever scared of Coach A, but you just have such a respect for him. Um, you know, you never think you're his friend by any means, but, you know, he's sort of like a second father. So you go up and you might, uh, go in his office and sort of pick his brain. Hey, coach, this is sort of the vibe of the team right now. Um, I'm not really sure how to handle it. And then he'll just go on and on about all the different ways you can handle it. And because of his experience and his ability is one of the best, you know, leaders that are out there, he can give you 10 different ways to handle the situation. And each way would work out this, you know, end up working out great, but uh, you'd have many ways to do it. Cause each guy, if you know, you're having an issue with them, he, uh, he might react differently to how you handle the situation. So from that point, once he gives you those 10, cause you, you never dime, dime a guy out with an issue unless it, you know, it was a very serious issue. Mm-hmm. And then you'd try to figure out which of those uh, scenarios is going to be best to fit that guy's personality so you get the best sort of response out of them. Yeah, and, and one of the really 
important things that I appreciated from Coach A and, and his kind of leadership mentality and how he utilized the captains was that you very rarely ever heard any kind of big decision or, you know, big change or kind of a mentality thing or, or a culture thing. None of it ever really came directly from Coach A's mouth. It usually always came from the captains. And I think that just goes to show how much trust he put in you guys as a group and how much he trusted the team to kind of follow what the captains lay out. What, uh, mm-hmm. How often do you think you would, you would meet with Coach A? Was it kind of just an impromptu whenever something came up, or, or did you guys have kind of set meetings throughout the week? Uh, not always set meetings, but, you know, there'd be times where, hey, I need you guys up here before practice. Uh, we need to talk about something. And, you know, it was just something that he would, he would see that maybe we couldn't because of our lack of experience. And he'd t- and the best part about it and his leadership was he'd always give us a say, you know, and he'd always hear us out and sort of understand where we're coming from with how maybe we should attack it. But when it came down to it, he knew sort of the right way to handle the situation. And uh, he'd definitely always hear us out. But there was definitely, for the most part, a certain way that we needed to handle it. And once he said that, we're like, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? We'll execute and we'll put that out. And he trusted us to not try to, you know, the biggest thing as a captain is not saying, yeah, coach is making us do this. Coach is making us do that. No, no, no. It's like, this is what we're going to do as a team because it's the best thing for the team. And by doing that, you don't lose, you know, the guys aren't going, oh, coach is making us do this. No, this is what the captains want us to do. This is what the seniors want us to do. Because that's what we always try to do uh, as captains is bring the seniors and even the juniors in sort of and make them feel part of the solution as well. So that way we have buy-in from the top two classes. And then, you know, at that point, the sophomore and freshman, when they see the juniors, seniors are bought in, like maybe it's a big culture change or something that's been different than how we've been doing things for the year. But once they see the top two classes are bought in, then, you know, they're not going to question it. They're like, oh, man, this is definitely something we need to do. Yeah, and that and definitely comes back to ownership and, and ownership of decisions made and ownerships of, and ownership of the outcome of those decisions. You know, one of the tenant number one that we preach at the captain's coach is that everything rises and falls with leadership and it. And that's a directly reflects back onto the ownership and for coach a to bring you guys in and kind of know what decision he wants to be made, but still give you guys the option to kind of voice your opinion and get your perspective. Obviously he has, much more experienced than than his own captains and obviously all of us as players. So he definitely has a, a bigger picture and a lot more experience to draw on and know what's going to work. But for him to allow you guys to kind of come to that decision and, and at the very least explain why we were going to do something a certain way and make sure that you guys were on board before you left the room is definitely a big piece. And I think it it's an example of how coaches who kind of feel like they need to make decisions and kind of stranglehold their captains and their captains kind of just be puppets for them. They're, that's definitely the wrong way of going about it. And, and Coach A is a perfect example of how you kind of find that balance between, okay, I can let them run with this. They can make these decisions. And then, and then the difference between, Hey, this is the decision I want to be made. Now go do it. And Hey, this is the decision I want to make. And this is why it fits perfectly with, our culture, our goals for the season, you know, I think this is why, this is exactly why we're going to do X, Y, and Z. 
And then it's also just a direct reflection on his leadership and his mentorship that, like you said, the captains would bring in the seniors and, and sometimes even the juniors and kind of, and, and even in those conversations, it wasn't really, Hey, you know, as a senior class coach is trying to get us to do this. It was still like, Hey, what do you guys think about this? This is what we've been thinking as, as the captains is the right way to go about it. And, and those things would happen. And it kind of goes back to just the culture we had. It kind of just happens as casual things like on the way to dinner, on the walk up to practice or, or on the bus up to practice on the walk down from practice, you know, the captains and the seniors would kind of just, you know, put little bugs, plant little ideas in, in other guys' ears, you know, hey, what do you think about if we did this, you know, and, and everyone was constantly checking the temperature of decisions that were made, not necessarily to see if they were popular, but just to get other people's perspectives. And I think that's a big piece of leadership is kind of always checking the environment that, that your team is in at any given time. No, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And then, you know, I'm sure you remember, but the biggest thing with Coach, too, was him never letting us, like, feel sorry for ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, if we're having a tough week of school and you can just tell everyone smoked, uh, guys are coming to the locker room tired, he'd always just say, you know, whoever the team was we were playing that week, or, you know, leading up till the first game of the season, UMass doesn't care. Because really, you know, it would have been so easy for him to be like, yeah, I know you guys are having a tough week. Let's just take it easy. But, you know, that just transpires for the rest of your life. If you're feeling bad or you're having a tough week and you just decide, ah, I'm trying to dog it through this day or just get through this day because I can't, you know, you're not going to be producing for your company or whatever organization you're in. And that leads to you end up probably getting fired because you're not doing your best day in, day out. Um, and that's what he asked of us every single day. And I couldn't have been like, you know, there are definitely days where I was like, come on, coach. Like, you know, we're getting killed right now. Um, not really as a captain because it was my senior year. But when I was younger, I was like, is he really going to do this right now? But looking back, I'm so thankful for it because, you know, he asked for our best every single day. And uh, he definitely got it out of us, you know. Yeah, and there definitely were no excuses for, for anything that was going on. It's like you said, and that was when Shay was on the, on the show, he uh, nobody cares is definitely a constant theme and one that applies throughout life. Cause like you said, as a leader and on that team, you're, you're pretty much a leader, no matter what your actual position is, whether you have that name or not, you know, as a junior senior, even as a sophomore, like if you're dogging it and someone sees you, you never know. You know, you coach always used to say, Hey, you can be a radiator. You can be a train. And if you're dogging it a little bit and, and somebody catches it, it might just give them, just enough reason and just enough of an excuse to dog it as well and then it kind of just sparks a chain reaction but if you're the only guy dogging it and you see everybody else going 100 percent, man it's pretty tough it is pretty tough to to kind of quit um just on a personal level and, and oh yeah and then and then you know you're cheating you cheating your buddy whether you're on the scout team or um a starter on scout team, you're dogging it. All right, then you're just cheating the starter out of that rep to get ready for the game. And, you know, you might see him go out in the game because you were dogging it and get smoked by his guy because you weren't giving him a good look. Exactly. And, you know, whatever your position is on the team, uh, you'll have an effect on, on game day no matter what if you're, if you're not holding yourself accountable because you decide to feel sorry for yourself. Yeah, exactly. It just transpires all the way through. And like you said, it, it – it's definitely you let it happen a couple times and it becomes a habit and then kind of just follows you through through every aspect of life for sure 
you know, we, we talk a lot about transferable skills, but there are a lot of habits and bad habits that can kind of follow you throughout life as well, coming from athletics into the, into the, the private sector or any other kind of organization you're in for sure. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, moving more to your, your experience on a personal level, what do you, what was your favorite part or, you know, one of your favorite experiences uh, of being a captain during your time at Army? Uh, I mean, now just sort of still having the young guys, guys who are freshmen, uh, Matt Manown came down um, for his little uh, leadership uh, or uh, summer detail. He had to be at Fort Stewart. So I requested him to uh, be the guy that follows him or he had follows around and I got him and just seeing him like hit me up before he was coming down to let me know. And so I could actually do that. Just, you know, it's rewarding knowing that like these guys still want to hit you up and ask you questions about, you know, how it was when you were there and what you do to handle this situation. And uh, that's sort of the most rewarding part I say is knowing that you had a little bit of an impact. And guys sort of care. I don't know if they're just calling me to make me feel good, but it's nice to still get hit up uh, asking about the season, you know, how to prepare for this. Um, so I'd say it's just rewarding knowing you left maybe a little bit of an impact. Yeah, the, those relationships more than anything and leave a lasting mark. And again, it's kind of been a constant theme that the interpersonal part of being a leader is more important than kind of your decision-making ability. Obviously that plays a part, but your decision-making ability kind of comes second to those interpersonal relationships. And obviously we had a pretty unique uh, experience. I think it's pretty, uh, pretty hard to argue that we were probably one of the closest groups of guys in division one lacrosse and probably division one sports uh, across the board. But like you said, it is, I get the same, the same feeling when guys hit me up from underclassmen or even, Older guys, you know, guys from the 2013 class when I was a freshman, they were seniors. They, they, they'll still hit me up if they're in town or if there's kind of a, a group gathering that we all might be at. Somebody will send a text out and it's kind of like we never left. And, and you still have those same exact relationships that you had when you're on the team and it kind of never goes away. So it's always, mm-hmm. I would agree with you, it's definitely, definitely a great part of being a captain and reminds me of uh, another one of the tenets of leadership we preach at the captain's coach is that leadership is a service and being a leader is not about you. It's, it's not about putting something on your resume or, you know, kind of advancing your own career. If you're a leader in the, in, in the business world, it's about the people underneath you. It's about the younger guys on the team. It's about your teammates. It's about your friends. It's about all of them. You're a captain to serve them and serve your team. And that's just a reminder of those relationships. Like, oh, hey, man, like being a captain, the best part about it was was the, all the guys around me that, I, that you know, I was leading and that were, were a part of that team, that family. Absolutely. And then in terms of on the field, uh, senior year, Picture League Championship game, we uh, got beat by Loyola for the second time um, that year. And, you know, we'd already beat Syracuse. And I just remember looking at Dave Sims, um, right after the game, you know, it was obviously pretty emotional because at that point it didn't look good to make the tournament. Uh, but I knew our only way was to beat Notre Dame. And I looked at Dave and, you know, because of the past two years after, uh, before that, we got smoked by Notre Dame that last game because everyone was just kind of dull and just kind of over it because of our two straight losses in the Patriot League Championship. 
But um, I just looked at Dave Sims and I was like, I just need one more out of you, man. Give me one more. And then we ended up going out and Dave went off and he had four goals and we beat Notre Dame in overtime. And uh, just as a captain, you know, I, I don't even think I had to point that game or anything, but just to be a part of that game and get that win. Uh, I ended up being my last uh, lacrosse game ever, but that was, that was the most rewarding seeing guys sort of, I don't know if it's for me or just for the, you know, the seniors, all the seniors as a whole, or they just did it for themselves, but to see them step up and stay locked in for another week of practice and go out there and beat Notre Dame on uh, Mikey was definitely the most rewarding uh, in terms of on-field experience as a captain because, uh, you know, it's tough. Uh, you know, you're probably not going to get into the tournament, but to stay locked in and give it one more hard week uh, it was awesome. Yeah, and that's definitely – a hard situation. I know we were in that same situation my senior year. That 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 game after the Page League Championships just it's no fun when you know there's nothing on the other side. But you kind of have to to pull it together. And, and I remember watching that that game your senior year it was pretty incredible to watch how you guys handled yourself after the tournament and then going into that game. Just the the emotion and and like you said the focus that you guys could see definitely a, a time of adversity on the team. Was there anything that you guys did as captains or as a senior class that you think really kind of kind of brought the team through that time and kind of refocused everybody? Um, yeah, I mean, um, I remember I actually still have the text saved in my notes somewhere deep, but I, I put a huge, long text together. Um, I actually went to Doc Z's office and read it to him to make sure he thought it was cool. Um, but just essentially sent it out to the guys. I was like, you know, we've gone out the past two years and gotten smoked by Notre Dame, and it's just been embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, get one over it with the seniors before, and they're like, yeah, send it out. We we need to let them know that you got to go into this game with just a little pride for yourself um, and really no one else. And I think that sort of led to a lot of energy throughout the week of practice, and you know, guys wanted to go out with a little pride and a little momentum especially for the junior class, uh, a little momentum going into their senior season. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's a that's a perfect example of how one person can kind of make the difference in, in a time of crisis or a time of adversity and, and a great show of leadership. You know, you, you didn't just take it on yourself and you didn't do it by yourself either. You know, you had this idea and, and you went to Doc C. And, and those of you who don't know, Doc, Doc needs Zinser, he's uh, guest number two on the podcast actually, but one of the greatest uh, leadership experts and sports psychologists in the world, you know, finding a mentor, finding somebody like that. Hey, do you think this is, is okay? Do you think this is good? What kind of impact do you think this decision or this text will have on the team? And then you even go into the rest of your, your, your peers, the rest of the seniors and saying, Hey, what do you guys think about this? Like, this is the message I want to put out. You know, is this, is this kind of consistent with what we want to be about? You know, is this too cheesy? Is this the right message, right, right where it needs to be? And then for everyone to be like, yeah, on board, let's do it. And then the impact that that can have, it just goes to show you, you know, how leadership, one person can affect a huge outcome. And at the same time, how it wasn't just you that, you know, that initial decision was yours. And then it kind of just grew from there, the people that you involved and how you really influenced an entire group of people just with one simple idea about a text. Yeah. And 
the only reason I really did it was because if I didn't say something and then my last game, you know, it might sound selfish, but I really didn't mean it in a selfish way, but my last game of my career went out and we just, you know, had no pride and got beat up on our home turf on senior day. And I said nothing leading up to it. I, you know, couldn't complain or be upset because I didn't do anything to sort of help the situation. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it, there's that quote, you know, if, it, if, if it's, if it's to be, it's up to me. And, you know, you got to kind of take that one. Uh, my, one of my last guests, Todd Sanders, he was on, he had a pretty funny one that uh, him and his, his, uh, his buddies in, in the Marines they came up with was nobody's coming. Nobody's coming to help us, you know? So it's, it's, it's you or it's not going to happen. So it's definitely a, it comes back to that accountability and that, that ownership of leadership for sure. What other challenges or what would, what would you say your biggest challenges as a captain were, or is there anything you wish you could have done differently during your time as a captain? Um, that's a good question. Um, I guess maybe, uh, I mean, sort of our senior year was a little bit of a different situation, obviously. Um, most people, if people actually listen to this, they won't sort of understand, but we were going through a little turbulence um, with everything going on at school. So we sort of had to make some uh, sort of not culture changes. I don't like saying culture change because it's not like we were bad people or anything. We just sort of had to make some changes to how we normally did things throughout our day-to-day um lives at school so I definitely had to be a little bit harder on guys um and uh, I was a little bit selfish because anytime I saw a guy who wasn't willing to buy in uh I sort of saw it as like a personal attack to potentially you know ruin um our season so maybe there's a couple of guys who I'm not as tight with uh anymore just sort of because they got rubbed the wrong way how I sort of went about things. Um, I guess maybe I would have liked to try to bring them in and um, uh, give them a better idea of why we're doing things. Uh, But to be honest with you at that point, I was sort of with the mentality of you're either, you're either with us or you're against us. So you can get on the bus because the bus is rolling and uh, you're going to either get run over or you're going to hop on and, come along for the ride because it's going to be fun yeah and that definitely was a, a, a tough situation to be in I, I know I kind of briefly mentioned it a little bit when when Ben interviewed me for our, for our first episode um kind of the aftermath of that they're definitely and I agree with you culture change isn't the right word you know I to this day I'll still say we had one of the greatest cultures that you can have on a sports team or, or any organization um I think there was definitely a protocol change and kind of an expectation change. And some of our, you know, standards, I guess you could say, definitely had to shift very quickly for you guys that next season. And like you said, you know, those decisions had to be made quickly and they had to be made in a way that definitely could rub people the wrong way. And that's always a challenge. It's it's always a challenge. How do you handle those, those things where, yeah, would it be great to have a little more, empathy and kind of bring people in and kind of, you know, explain as much as you can, or is it a time where like, Hey man, it just needs to be accountability a hundred percent. And, you know, finding that balance is always the biggest part. And that's why we say leadership is an art. Uh, another one of the, the, the tennis leadership, leadership's an art. Um, there's no right way. It's not a math equation that you're always going to come out with the answer for X. 
you know, each person's different in how they're going to express themselves and each person's different on how they're going to receive that expression and that communication. It's, 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 it's a fine line of mixing your personality with someone else's personality and kind of weaving that all into, into a culture and kind of guiding the entire organization down a path toward, toward what you guys are trying to achieve. So definitely a challenge. And it sounds like you definitely learned a little bit from that, that situation, which is, which is the biggest thing moving forward for everybody for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, what advice would you give fellow captains today or, or anybody really trying to develop their leadership skills? Um, well, first off, you know, sort of back to what Shay said, like, don't ever feel sorry for yourself. Um, you know, if you're a captain, you're either probably a senior or um, a junior who's proven his ability. So don't ever show up to practice feeling sorry for yourself. You got to be, you don't have to be the most energetic guy. Um, because I, I don't think I was that guy that was, you know, hooting and hollering all throughout practice. But the guys need to see you go hard, you know, whether it's a six on six and, or, you know, uh, it's not lacrosse, whatever it is, you know, if you're doing a little scrimmage or something and you're not diving out of bounds to save a ball or you're just dogging it at the end just because you're having a bad attitude that day. Um, it's like back to what we've been saying, but um, the accountability piece. But you just have to, your actions have to just speak louder than your words day in and day out. No matter how you're feeling, nobody cares. Because when it comes down to it, if you decide to feel sorry for yourself, uh, it's just going to run through the team and then it'll show uh, on your next game day. And you'll look back and maybe say in retrospect, oh, you know, I definitely could have went harder on that rep. And uh, one thing that I tried to do as a senior, um, definitely more than I did when I was going through the program, but especially as a senior, um, was really just look back on each day and go, where could I have given it a little bit more? And I like to think that most days I never was able to look back and been like, uh, you know, I could have went harder here. So as a captain, don't feel sorry for yourself. Show up and give it your best and hold everyone accountable around you. No one's going to get that upset if you get on them. Um, you just have to just be the best you can be at all times. Yeah. And I, and I love that little piece you said about, you know, looking back at the end of the day or the day before and asking yourself, honestly, is there anything that I could have gone harder at? Is there anything that I could have done better? You know, and, and as a captain, that's a, it's a great little piece or anybody out there. If you want to be an example for your teammates or you're in a leadership position, treat every moment, treat every play, treat every interaction as if it's an interaction that you don't want to ask yourself at the end of the day and kind of come up with crap. I could have handled that better or I didn't give it my all. You know, if, if you're going to be, and that's the hardest part about being a leader is being hundred percent honest to yourself about how much you're given to those around you and, mm -hmm. and how much you're given to your leadership. Take every moment. And I'll go ahead. No, I was just saying, I was just sort of lucky to have that mentality because I got my junior year taken because of uh, an injury. So, you know, like I, I was, I was fresh. I couldn't have been more fresh. You know, I didn't play the whole junior year. You know, I practiced and got in a couple games at the end of the season, but I was, uh, I came in fresh and realized how finite these opportunities are. And I understood how much I'd miss it once it was gone. And that's why every single day 
I knew what it was like to stand on the sidelines. So if, if I were to, you know, get injured my senior year, I don't want to look back on every day I did get to play. I knew I was giving it everything I had. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of just enhanced that position of being a captain. Not only were you, you not taking for granted the ability to play lacrosse and be a part of the team on the field, but also knowing, hey, not only do you have that role, but now I have this other role as a leader. And I really can't take that for granted because this really is a finite thing that never, may never come a, across again. Um, so, so definitely not taking things for granted and, and treating everything like it's the last time you're going to do it or it's the only time someone's going to see you, see you do that. I know Coach A is, you know, one of the favorite stories he has is, is about a famous Yankees baseball player. And, and you know, he went 100% every game of his career. And someone asked him one time, you know, hey, why do you why do you go so hard even blowouts or, you know, middle of the season on a road game? You know, why, why are you going so hard? And his answer was, you know, there's some kid out there that this is the only time he's ever going to see me play in person. And it may be the last. Oh, yeah, Mickey Mantle. Yeah, Mickey Mantle. And, Mickey. and he doesn't – and his answer was, you know, if that kid, if this is the only time he ever sees me play, he's going to see the same exact thing that everyone else does. And I'm not mm -hmm. a bad impression on anyone's mind. So that's definitely a, a, definitely a great, you know, kind of perspective to, to look at things through. But with that being said, who do you think – or in your opinion, who's the best captain? I got one more. Can I can I give you one oh, yeah. more thing for the captain yeah. too? Yeah, sure. Sorry, I just uh, sparked in my mind here, but uh, it's also like sort of leveraging the seniors, right? So all the you know, as a captain, you're not going to be able to be best buddies with every single guy on the team because you're not going to interact with everyone every day. You know, there's going to be a senior who has a locker next to a sophomore that you might not talk to. You might talk to him once once a week. Uh, you know, and have like a real good rapport with them. So if that sophomore is having an issue and you can tell us sort of, you know, bring the team down a little bit, it's talking to that senior, hey, man, can you talk to him and tell him like, you know, we see what's going on, you know, figure out what's going on and then get him back on track. So it's sort of like understanding who is tight with each guy on the team and being able to leverage the seniors because the seniors want the same thing you want as a captain. And, you know, on our team, any senior could be a captain. So it's using those guys to, you know, mold and build the younger guys, or even if it's a junior, use the senior that's really close to that junior to buy back in. Because, you know, if you lose a buy-in from one guy, that guy has influence on someone else, and that'll create the snowball effect. So it's seeing it, using who you – not using, but leveraging who you need to to stop it and then get everyone back on track. Yeah, and that's an awesome piece of advice that I think captains sometimes kind of miss out on. Like, hey, as a captain, you know, it's not your job to hold every single individual accountable and kind of confront every single individual or every, every, every single issue by yourself. You know, it's why you have teammates. It's why you have classmates. And to be able to, to understand the intricacies of the relationships on the team, that's a huge piece of what being a leader is. And understanding that, hey, there are guys on the team that might be better suited to handle this situation and whether they be captains or not, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's being able to trust those around you. And that's what really makes a great leader. You know, it's that light touch of instead of me going over to the sophomore, reaming him out. Cause I don't really understand how he's going to react to this. Like, Hey man, like, I know you're, you're, you're close to this guy. You know, you're in his company. You live down the hall from him. Hey, can you mind? Like, you know, what's his deal with this? You know, this is what I'm seeing. Like, what's his, what's his deal with this? Hey, can you talk to him about this? And given the trust to other people on the team, empowering them to be leaders, empowering them to make decisions with other individuals, like that's such a huge piece 
uh, of being a leader. And, and that's what leadership is. Leadership begets leadership. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. And uh, with all, with all those examples, you know, little things, who do you, who do you think the best captain you've ever experienced is firsthand and why? I guess uh, best captain, I'd have to go with uh, Shay, um, Shay Mullins, because I just had such a different perspective on it because me and him were roommates um, at school. So obviously Shay wasn't the most, you know, outspoken captain. He wasn't going to be the guy that's like getting on somebody, this, that, or the other thing. But, you know, if we're having a dull practice or something, Shay's the type of guy that's going to, just like run somebody over or go down the side and just rip a corner and just sort of get the boys going through his actions. You know, he's not going to get in the locker room and stand on a stool and start preaching all this stuff. He's going to go out and he's going to be pissed. And cause I promise you he's the most competitive guy on the field. Um, but he's just gonna, he's going to do something that's going to spark everybody rather than trying to do it with his voice. He's going to, you know, like I said, run somebody over, or do something that's just going to, everyone's like, whoa, we need to pick it up right now because Shay's bringing it. And then, you know, I go down to the room and talk to him and, you know, he's frustrated, but he's not necessarily mad at a guy or whatever. He took it upon himself. He's like, man, we just didn't bring it today. I need to, I need to do something that gets the guys going. Yeah. Shay was always great at, um, at kind of feeling out what the team needed at any given time. And like you said, he wasn't one to give, crazy speeches at the beginning or end of practice. He wasn't one to be super rowdy, get everyone hyped, but he always was a guy that found a way to give the team exactly what it needed at, at the exact time. And definitely a, uh, definitely a knack of, of leadership, kind of that intangible experience that you, you kind of develop over your years in athletics and, and any kind of leadership, just kind of knowing what everyone needs at the exact right moment and giving that light touch again, like we were saying, but for sure. Shay is definitely an embodiment of that and lucky to, lucky to have experienced his, his leadership and, and being one of his best friends, you know, being around that, it, it definitely is a good influence for sure. Oh yeah. And, uh, don't want to take up too much more of your time, Gunnar, but going more to the conceptual side of things, uh, you know, mm -hmm. always one of my favorite questions because it gets answered so differently every time. What is your definition of leadership? What is my definition of leadership? So it's sort of corny, but, um, and I think everyone sort of knows it, but it's just like getting people to do what you want and whether it's make them think that they wanted to do it or just have them enjoy doing it. Um, I, I think that's sort of the embodiment of it, right? Because whether it's coach telling the captains, because really as a captain, you're not like, necessarily like just the leader of the team you're just sort of the soundboard between the coach and the team uh, for certain things so if he brings in hey this is what's been lacking in practice our stick skills have been lacking this that and it's then finding a way to make everyone realize that our stick skills haven't been up to par and we need to do something and have them say you know what our stick skills have been really bad this is what we're going to do we're going to hold all the guys accountable go do wall ball and get out there and we want to do this or we think we should do this and no one even told us to do it because you shouldn't have to explicitly tell them hey our sticks have been poor it's hey what do you guys think has been going wrong in practice oh, yeah and then you get them oh you know what they start saying i think our sticks have been terrible we haven't been able to move the rock quicker 
we've been slow on defense. This is what we're going to do to get better at it. Yeah, that's definitely what it really comes down to, I think, is a great way of kind of synthesizing that, that leadership. It's getting a group of people, like you said, getting a group of people to do something that kind of needs to get done um, without kind of dragging them through it and getting them to kind of either come to that conclusion and come to that decision on their own in their own way or, you know, getting them to enjoy it in a way that they never saw possible, you know, kind of leverage their motivations to come to the same conclusions and the same decisions that you would make as a leader. So I think that's a great, great definition, definitely a unique one that we haven't really heard um, that kind of aspect of it, but one that, one that I definitely can, and can kind of um, couple my, my philosophy with for sure. What do you think the two biggest responsibilities or the two most important characteristics of a team captain are? Uh, Coming to grips with the fact that you're not going to be everybody's friend. Right. So you're the captain and you, you've been on the team for three years at this point, this is your fourth year and you know what needs to be done in order to get to where you want to be. So coming to grips with the fact that I'm not going to be everybody's friend. I sure would love to be. However, I'm going to hurt a couple people's feelings here and there, but that's going to be okay because hopefully when they look back on what I did, they know that I only had the best interests of the team in mind. I didn't have my interests in mind. I didn't have their interests in mind. I had the team's interests in mind. And then um, probably the second one is just practicing what you preach, right? So if you're just telling people, hey, we got to bring it every day, and you're not, or you tell people, hey, this is what we have to do off the field. We need to do X, Y, and Z in order to eliminate distractions off the off the field, which lead to distractions on the field. We need to do this, this, and this right, and we have to do this. And if you go and don't do that because you go, oh, I'm a captain, no one will know I did this. It's, you know, now you're the biggest part of the issue. So having coming to that, the fact that you're not going to be everyone's friend and practicing what you preach are probably the two biggest responsibilities of a captain. Yeah, I like both of those. And, and definitely the, yeah, realizing you're not going to make everybody happy all the time. You know, it's a big piece. You got to, and it comes back to that balance between kind of accountability and empathy. You know, there are some guys that you're just going to like want to just go down empathy road with, not hurt their feelings, you know, try to be their friends, try to have this relationship. But at a certain point, you got to draw the line as a leader. And, you know, if somebody's going to get their feelings hurt, like that might just be what happens for, for that individual until they kind of figure out, you know, you have the best interest of them, you have the best interest of the team, and it wasn't you just taking a personal vendetta out on them. And then that, that second piece of accountability and always being the example is always a big piece. Eyes are always on you as a leader. Um, so just know that somebody's watching you at all times and, and you're serving as an example, whether you, you, you know it or not. Um, but definitely, definitely some, some more great advice for, for anybody trying to develop their leadership skills. Those are two to definitely practice day in and day out and, and until you can really hone them in. Um, and then uh, my last two questions for you, Gunnar. Uh, what is your favorite book on uh, leadership or coaching? And, and if you have a favorite quote about leadership or coaching? Yeah. So favorite book is uh, Into Thin Air by John Krakauer. <laughs> uh, I know it's probably people are probably wondering why, but they go to summit Everest and um, essentially a bunch of people uh, don't make it um, because it's, they hit like the worst storm ever when they go up to Everest. But, 
it's seeing all the people, um, like the guys that did make it, how they stepped up and what guys were like some of the, um, can't remember their name right now, but the, the Sherpas that like help them get up and down the mountain, what they were willing to do in order to try to save these people that are paying $40,000 to uh, go to the top of Everest. Um, it was just amazing because it just sort of resonates with me and the fact that you need to legitimately, if you're in charge of someone and you're not willing to go that extra mile to, you know, obviously saving them, their life is a little extreme as being a captain, but go the extra mile to get them to be at their top performance, then, you know, I don't think you're doing what you need to as a leader. So just seeing how the people who made it, what they were able to do in terms of trying to help and um, willing to push their bodies to these limits, um, I think is a big test of leadership and toughness. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's a definitely a, a good perspective to, to kind of look at leadership through, like, you know, like you said, it may be a bit extreme, you know, hopefully nobody out there ever actually has the, the lives of those that are following them in their hands in, in that kind of situation. But that's kind of how you should treat it, you know, make the decisions like, like it is a, a life or death situation. And then uh, do you have a, a favorite quote about leadership and coaching? Oh yeah. Um, so my favorite uh, leadership quote is be at your best uh, when your best is needed. And you can Google it to find who said it, but I just remember it from my senior year. So um, be at the best when your best is needed because look, you're not going to always be at your best, but as long as you're giving your best and the time comes in the game or in practice where your best is needed, as long as you've been giving your best the whole time, you'll actually get the best out of you when it's needed in the big game with the ground ball or the just getting it down the side, your defensive midi, and maybe you're not that good. Your sticks goes aren't that great, but it's a tight game and you're going to make sure you put the pass on the attacking zero. So the offense has the ball or you get the ground ball and defensive end clear it because you're tired a little bit, but you dig deep and give a, give your best and you're at your best when it's needed. Love it. I love it. Definitely a constant theme throughout the conversation. You know, just hold yourself accountable, never, never taking a playoff. And, and at the end of the day, it's those, those 1% increases, those 1% improvements, they'll really culminate uh, when you need it for sure. Uh, oh, great, great conversation talking to you, Gunnar. Love having you on the show. Always good to have one of the brothers on the team uh, come on the show and kind of share your thoughts with the world. Hopefully we can get a couple more couple more guys on on the show and and hope to see you down at uh at the army navy game in april but thanks again get some sleep after your uh long time in the field yeah i appreciate it party it's good talking to you thanks for having me on thanks for listening to the captain's coach podcast with luke bullet if you liked what you just heard Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.